You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. again for Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, your trusty, trusty if not talented host of the program. Fresh from BamaOnline.com where I serve as the senior analyst for the Alabama affiliated uh, website on the 247sports.com network. The show as always brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Thank you so much to so many of you who made Peterbrook your destination of choice in getting ready for Halloween 2020. And look, it's November now. Last time we spoke, it was October. We are headlong into November and never too early. If you got those office orders, those office gifts, Corporate gifts, Peter Brook Chocolatier, the chocolate lady, her staff, they can help you out with those at 205-752-0211. Joined on the program by producer Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the 60-minute billion of Sports Talk Radio. And it is still an undefeated and unblemished Jacob Harrison and his stillers that greet us on this Monday morning. What about it, Jacob? Here we go. I'm still trying to learn how to breathe again. I'm I'm still my blood pressure is still high. I need to go see a doctor. How about Mika Fitzpatrick with the pass breakup there for you and the closing seconds of that win over the Baltimore Ravens yesterday? Hell of a road win, man. That's a validating win there. Steelers, you know, didn't look all that great, but you go back to back weeks, back to back weeks, right? With the uh, with the Titans and the Ravens, and you get the Ws. That's impressive. A win that's is a win impressive. is a win. And yeah. hey, both of our Bama boys actually were were key in holding the Ravens down in that fourth quarter. The the first attempt that Lamar had to to go ahead late, Isaiah Bugs was the guy that stopped mm-hmm. him on a crucial fourth and three and forced a fumble on that play. And then, as you mentioned, Minka uh, going up for the ball which kept him from having a flag thrown on the final play in the end zone. So clutch plays by the Bama guys. Yeah, Bugs has proven to be a very nice value pick for the Steelers where they got him in the draft a couple of years ago. And, of course, he's coached by the guy who coached him here in Tuscaloosa, Carl Dunbar, defensive line coach John Mitchell, first uh, African-American football player to see the field at Alabama, also in that mix for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So a lot of Bama involved around the National Football League in general, but certainly in that uh, in that Ravens-Steelers tilt yesterday, it was a big weekend of football from start to finish. You know, we kind of previewed that Tuscaloosa County-Northridge game on Friday night. Uh, Jacob, I think we kind of hit it on the head, both of us, in terms of our expectations. Great game, thrilling finish. Northridge has an opportunity late in the game, goes for two, comes up a yard short. And Damian Taylor, man, running back for Tuscaloosa County, the Troy commit that we talked about on Friday, uh, sounds like he was everything he's been throughout his career for the Wildcats. And if I had to ask you to pick a player of the year for the area, you're going to go with the Hillcrest quarterback, 
Jacob? You going to go with Damian Taylor? Where are you going with that now that we have the regular season in our rearview mirror? Yeah, I'm gonna have to stick with uh with 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 Ethan Crawford there in Hillcrest. Mm-hmm. That he he was something else. Uh, but Lyric Street at Northridge was was a great player. He helped them out a yeah. lot. And uh, but I'm not gonna take anything away from Damian Taylor either. I mean, willed the Wildcats to to a victory that proved that three and seven does not define them. Well, and again, as we talked about in that region of death in seven A with the Birmingham schools, so. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think you could go wrong with any three of those choices, but another great season. We're thankful we had it, right? A regular season wasn't perfect, wasn't without pause, but we had a regular season of high school football here in the Tuscaloosa area. Now we move into the playoff portion of the season and some very solid representation on the local front once again, so we'll get more into that as we move throughout the week, but obviously a lot of college football talk. We're wide open on this Monday, by the way, if you want to check in with us at 205-342-9904, we're flying guest-free as we get your thoughts on the football weekend. Uh, Alabama, Mississippi State, obviously right here in Tuscaloosa, the Crimson Tide with its first shutout since the last time Mississippi State visited Tuscaloosa back in 2018. Last three trips to Titletown for the boys 90 miles to the west has resulted in all of a field goal for Mississippi State. I believe it's 116-3. to Alabama has outscored Mississippi State in the last three games in this series, contested at Bryant-Denny Stadium. So a shutout, a much-welcomed shutout for this Alabama defense. We previewed it throughout last week. Let's face it, this is a Mississippi State offense that has been anything but a juggernaut since that season-opening win down in Baton Rouge, but look, you'll take it. There are signs of improvement, I think, that are pretty much undeniable when it comes to this Alabama defense, just at the fundamental level, just tackling, right? And it was also an opportunity in that game, and you expected this because Mississippi State is a base four wide receiver offense in that air raid, a real showcase for some staples for this Alabama defense for the years to come. Will Anderson. Uh, Malachi Moore, another great performance on Saturday night. Brian Branch in there at the dime back position with Alabama in a six defensive back look for much of the night. So that had to excite you if you're an Alabama fan. You had your second straight game with a defensive touchdown. Patrick Sertan for the first time in his Alabama career getting on the scoreboard. Okay, so it was 34 to nothing. And there was just a little bit more than two minutes left in the game. And Sertan's still out there. Hey, they all count. But uh, another defensive score for Alabama. The pass rush did some good things. Very productive in the areas of quarterback hurries, pass breakups. Uh, A strong performance by the Alabama defense, no doubt about it. Uh, Offensively, more of the same in a lot of ways. I think Alabama just ran another vertical route down the left sideline, by the way, against the Mississippi State defense. Did you see enough of those? I think true freshman Emmanuel Forbes did, and his safety certainly did as well. Forbes, by the way, is going to be a really good player, the true freshman corner. Uh, He was in a lot of those one-on-one situations with Devontae Smith, and Devontae did what he's going to do against good corners, against veteran corners. You know, look, Emmanuel Forbes as a freshman ain't the only one, okay? Just ask uh, Derek Stingley Jr. about that last year of LSU, who came in here last November widely regarded as already the top corner in all of college football. You saw what Devontae did to Derek Stingley Jr., and it wasn't all Forbes. For some reason, opposing defenses, despite the fact that this is on film, well-documented, don't bring the corner cat against Devontae Smith and Mac Jones. When you bring that corner from the boundary and you leave that safety to sort of rotate or take on Devontae Smith one-on-one, it's not going to work so well. Mississippi State, Zach Arnett, we'll give him a little bit of a break here. He's in his first year in the Southeastern Conference as a defensive coordinator for State. Uh, I think he got a good look at that on uh, Saturday night. Najee Harris, I thought, really set the tone, the ground game in general. Another thing we previewed for you 
and kind of thinking that Alabama's run game would have a good bit of success against State's 3-3-5 look. Um, came out in that pistol formation just like A&M had used extensively with Isaiah Spiller a couple weeks prior and gashed State from the outset. Some chunk-type runs from Najee. Good to see Trey Sanders, right? True. Uh, well, might as well be a true freshman. Sat out last year. Redshirt freshman running back. In that 2019 cycle, the top running back in the country per the 24-7 sports composite rankings. Trey Sanders showing you some good stuff. Still a lot of value in Brian Robinson. Nick Saban said after the game he was pretty much limited to a situational role, but you still saw Robinson in there. Najee does some great things in pass protection these days. We've talked about that in the past, too. He's probably... A couple areas where Najee Harris has come the farthest would be willingness to stick his face in the fan where blitz pickups are concerned. You saw a textbook example of that on the 53-yard touchdown pass from Mac to Devontae uh, on Saturday night. And then decisiveness in how he runs the football. Runs so much more to his size, really since the end of last September. About the South Carolina game last season, you saw that really come into play for Najee Harris, and it's been pretty much what he's done from that point forward. So physicality in general, the dude's 230 pounds. And since about that South Carolina game last season, he has played to that 230. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line if you'd like to check in. Kicking game for Alabama. I know we probably shouldn't talk about it. A lot of you folks are superstitious when it comes to your sports. Me, not so much. But Will Reichard remains perfect on the 2020 season. 40-yard field goal, 24-yard field goal on Saturday night. Made all his extra points. What I like about Will Reichard right now is the ball looks good in the air even. You know what I mean? It's not. Uh, it's not like... You know, he's Jamie Christensen, some of these through. You know, money made his kicks for the most part, okay? It's not a knock on Jamie Christensen, but just like in that, speaking of Mike Leach, just like in that 2006 Cotton Bowl when he made the game winner, and I'm still not sure that kick ever cleared 12 feet in height before going through. And all that matters is it went through. But what you're seeing from Reichert is the ball looks good in the air. Good lift. Good rotation, getting some good holds from Mac Jones. You know Fletcher's going to be money on the snaps at this point in his career. So really good stuff from that operation in general. Saw Charlie Scott handle the punting duties once again on Saturday night. His first one was his best one, a 46-yarder. Got that baby to turn over. Good hang time, no return. You like that. And look, Slade Bolden back there on punt returns. I think what we're learning is, okay, according to opponents anyway. No Jalen Waddle back there. We're going to see what Bolden can do. We're going to kick him the football. And he got a low tumbler right in the middle of the field there in the first half, returned it 30 yards. Unfortunately, Alabama had a hold called on Jace McClellan, the true freshman running back. Watching it back, Bolden didn't really need it, and it wasn't much of a hold, but kind of where it happened, you know, you got all the eyeballs, all the – the zebra is looking at you. So they hit McClellan with the flag and it negated the 30 yarder. And that's twice now this season, Alabama's two longest punt returns of the season. Both of them, Jalen Waddle against Georgia and then Bolden against Mississippi state Saturday night. They've lost them both to either block block in the back or holding penalties. But Bolden showed you, you know, if you want to kick it to him right in the middle of the field, he's not Jalen Waddle, but he can turn it into a really good field position situation for Alabama if it comes down to it. Also on that return, you saw, again, a couple of true freshmen working on the outside. Javon Baker, Brian Branch did some really nice things on that return to give to give uh, Bolden some time. And he didn't need a lot. Again, it was a bad punt. Low tumbler. And uh, Bolden made the dogs pay. Hey, uh, you know what else Monday is too, right? Monday is a time for winners and losers on the program. 
as we go around the world of sports. And certainly this time of year, that is college football heavy. We gave you some thoughts on Alabama, Mississippi State. Alabama defense, a big winner from Saturday night. Mac Jones in throwing for four touchdown passes. Devontae Smith on the receiving end of all four of those. Those guys would certainly qualify. And more and more out of Vegas, you're seeing Mac at the top of some Heisman Trophy odds list now. Trevor Lawrence wasn't able to play against Boston College on Saturday in the Tigers' close win over B.C. Won't play this Saturday at Notre Dame. And so that puts a little bit of a hit on him, obviously. Justin Fields is playing well through his first two games. Got a win over Penn State on Saturday night in Unhappy Valley. And so that's kind of the way it's shaping up right now. And Mac, it wasn't the 400-yard performance you know, that we've seen in a stretch of three games early in the season, but it was good enough to certainly keep him up or near the top of that Heisman Trophy list. Uh, you know, he got off to a little bit of a sluggish start in the game Saturday night, four of eight, which for him, you know, that's, you're not used to seeing that. But then he goes on a stretch of eight straight completions. And by the end of the first quarter, he's passed for 177 yards and a couple of touchdowns. So kind of rolled from there. I thought it was also good for Alabama. Alabama was a winner on Saturday night once again in that. In a conference-only season, conference game-only season, was still able to get a pretty good bit of work for the twos and even some of the threes. And that's important because even though you're going into a bye week, uh, with what we know about COVID and how it can impact teams, you don't really get this week off. You know, you have to remain uh, vigilant and very much in your regimen uh, when it comes to the COVID. You know, you cannot let your guard down during the open week. We saw just this morning Marlon Humphrey. We were talking about the Steelers and the Ravens earlier. Marlon Humphrey announced via the Twitter this morning, the all-pro corner now with the Baltimore Ravens, that he has tested positive for COVID-19. Trevor Lawrence, we talked about. You just don't know. You gotta gotta keep the uh, gotta keep the hands up against the COVID. But the bye week, uh, you head into it if you're Alabama, an opportunity. You've got some guys that are obviously nicked up. Deontay Brown at left guard, LeBrian Ray. You're trying to get back on your defensive line. Miller Forrestall. You've seen him sort of favoring that one shoulder the last couple of weeks. Um, so even though guys are playing through stuff, Fedarian Mathis went down late in the game. Thought he had a nice game too, once again, uh, against Mississippi State. Had a sack, pass breakup, uh, quarterback hurry or two. Good stuff from Fedarian Mathis. But you can certainly use this week to heal some of your high rep, high snap guys. But, you know, again, you have to sort of figure on needing guys that you wouldn't typically need, perhaps, because of the extra concern you deal with in relation to COVID-19. So a big week in terms of the ability to sort of focus. And yes, fundamentals are always associated with bye weeks, uh, but it's also a chance to you know get some of the second and third team guys some some real reps within your system in case you do need them here over the final four games of the season. Other winners and losers from the sports weekend. We'll get into more of these as we move throughout the program. You know, the Auburn offense, I, I couldn't I couldn't decipher more between the Auburn offense uh, being a big winner and the Auburn football team in general. The defense played well, uh, produced points, uh, really did a good job against the LSU run game. I like Auburn. Rusty did too. Rusty, by the way, two and two on the weekend. Uh, he gave you Auburn as a home dog, and he also gave you Georgia Tech getting 20 as a home dog in an 18-point loss to Notre Dame over on the flats on Saturday. But I liked Auburn against LSU because I felt secure in knowing if it just came down to the run games that I suspected – Auburn 
would be more effective in that area than LSU. It pretty much played out that way. Uh, maybe some fool's gold for that LSU offense against South Carolina the previous week. Uh, TJ Finley wasn't that TJ Finley, the true freshman quarterback. And so, whereas a lot of the buzz going into LSU-Auburn was that, well, this may be T.J. Finley's team moving forward, regardless of Miles Brennan's health, now LSU comes out of Auburn not only with maybe questions about T.J. Finley versus Miles Brennan, but LSU actually got some pretty effective play out of Max Johnson. Went with the other freshman during the course of that game, and he proceeded to complete 15 of 24. Now, look, game was largely over by the time he got the football. But 15 of 24 for 172 and a touchdown that the connection of Max Johnson to Kayshawn Boudet is something that's going to have to give LSU fans life for the foreseeable future because both those guys are freshmen. And it's looking more and more like this is a – ride it out for the future type season for Ed Orgeron and LSU. But otherwise, man, in the second and third, in the middle section of that game Saturday, Auburn absolutely dominated. And please stop it, at least temporarily, if you're LSU with the DBU talk, okay? You know, Bo Nix averaged 12 and a half yards per pass attempt against LSU on Saturday. 18 of 24, 300 yards, three touchdowns. Great performance from Bo Nix. Bo at home is tough, man. He's yet to throw an interception, I believe, at Jordan-Hare Stadium in his career. Uh, a little bit of a different Bo when you take him on the road. But at home, uh, 300 yards passing for Bo Nix, 81 yards on the ground. Tank Bigsby gives the Tigers 71 rushing yards. And so... A really complete performance. Anthony Schwartz with a big game at wide receiver. Took the top off for a 91-yarder. 123 yards in all, a touchdown. So, look, uh, LSU is very much back to the drawing board. And, again, at the quarterback position. That's where a lot of the talk will be going into uh, Alabama from the UA perspective next week. But it's far more than just quarterback that's an issue for that team. And it really starts on the defensive side of the ball and just so many breakdowns in year one under Bo Pelini, hard to keep up at times. We're going to head to our first break and we come back more of winners and losers on a Monday with you. I think Dan Mullen, Dan Mullen might be making an appearance on this list coming up here in just a little bit. Southern fried sports presented by Peter Brook chocolatier back with more of the show right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by C Spire. Add C Spire Fiber to your roster at cspire.com slash AL Fiber. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. The second-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide topped the Mississippi State Bulldogs 41 to nothing on Halloween night at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Head coach Nick Saban gave his thoughts to the media after the win on his birthday. Uh, all in all, this was a good game uh, for us. I, I think the... It's great to play at home, uh, great to win on your birthday. Uh, so I was really happy about that present as much as any. And, um, you know, I think the bye week is coming at a really good time for us. Uh, we got a lot of guys that need to get healed up, and uh, we got a lot of other guys that need to make some improvement. Uh, so when they're called on, uh, they're going to be able to go out there and play and be effective as players. So I'll have more in a moment. Here's to the couches, the lawn chairs. That worn-in recliner imprinted by yours truly. These are your front row tickets to a very different college football season. And while you can't be at the game, C Spire brings the crimson tide to you with the fastest internet speeds for home and business. Because slow is only good for replays. Oh. So call dibs on that seat next to the seven-layer dip. It's football season at C Spire. Coach Saban also praised the defense for the shutout win. I think it's a positive sign that the players were able to, you know, do the things that were a little different and go out there and execute them well enough against a, you know, pretty pretty prolific passing team. Um, I, I don't think they expected us to play the way we played, so that probably uh, was a positive for us. 
And that's your BAM update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by Seaspire. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports. A sunny but cool afternoon. The high at 59. Cold again tonight. Clear with a low at 34. Then a warming trend tomorrow and Wednesday. Lots of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow 65. Wednesday's high back in the low 70s at 72. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. Winners and Losers Monday on Southern Fried Sports, presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. If you'd like to jump on board, we are wide open on this Monday at 205-342-9904. Georgia got a win at Kentucky, but between the offensive performance which I'm guessing was pretty much by design because if you're Kirby Smart and the rest of that staff, you understand that Kentucky is at a point offensively very much similar, just a different way of going about it, to Mississippi State. And when I say that, I'm talking about an offense that really struggles to put points on the board. I mean, even in the win over Tennessee a few weeks back, which seems like 100 years ago now for Kentucky after losses to Missouri and Georgia, uh, it was the defense, and it was really Tennessee's ineptitude on offense that contributed to that 34-7 to win in Knoxville. Uh, but Georgia gets the win in Lexington, 14-3, to just 13 pass attempts for Stetson Bennett. Now, again... Maybe Kirby figured all we got to do is not just absolutely shoot, blow our own foot off, and we can pretty much keep Kentucky to next to nothing. And that's what happened. Defensively, Georgia was simply too good for Georgia. Although, I'll say this, even in uh, Joey Gatewood, and not so much his defense, but I really like Kentucky running back Christian Rodriguez, and he did go for over 100 yards in the game against Georgia. But when you look at the passing numbers for both these quarterbacks, it kind of set the SEC back about 15, 20 years at least. Stetson Bennett throws for 131. He did average 10 yards per pass attempt. Now, he got a big play of 46 yards. Remember James Cook, the Georgia running back? hitting the deep ball against Christian Harris here in Tuscaloosa. Well, kind of a similar similar result for Kentucky with Cook on his 46-yard reception Saturday, but you didn't you didn't have a wide receiver have a grab of more than 11 yards for Georgia on Saturday. So, I don't know how sustainable this approach was. It was fine against Kentucky because again, Kentucky isn't going to score enough points, but with Florida up next. Uh, you're going to need a little bit more on offense, I think, especially with Georgia taking the hits from an injury standpoint that it did in that game. And not just in the game, but after the game. You know, in the game, Georgia lost a couple of its top defensive linemen, Julian Rochester, Jordan Davis, lost a safety during the game, and Lewis Sign. Middle linebacker Quay Walker went down. Now, at middle linebacker, for Georgia, you still have Monty Rice, the Huntsville native, who has started a bunch of games for the Bulldogs. So you can still pair Monty Rice, although he's been dealing with injury too, with N'Kobe Dean there at inside linebacker. But man, and this is a deep Georgia front seven. We know that. Uh, but it took some hits. And then to get back to Athens, the team charter back from Lexington gets into Athens around 5.30. A little more than an hour later, starting safety Richard LeCount 
is involved in a motorcycle accident. He's on his dirt bike, apparently, wheeling around Athens. And he is involved in an accident that has apparently left him concussed and with perhaps a broken rib. So LeCount, who had the interception here in Tuscaloosa on the first snap of the game by the Alabama offense, as you might recall, had to be transported to the hospital. And look, he's lucky to be alive, first and foremost, it sounds like, based on the reports from the accident. Uh, Very fortunate to still be with us. But when you think about what Georgia's going to run out there, Searity in Jacksonville, at the world's largest socially distanced outdoor cocktail party this year, you don't maybe like Georgia laying the five as much on Monday as you might have even Saturday afternoon or Saturday night. So Georgia going to hobble in, into Jack's uh, with a beat-up defense that might be missing at least a couple of guys when they talk about starters. Uh, speaking of the Florida Gators, I'm pretty sure, was there a bigger loser over the sports weekend than Dan Mullen, head coach of the University of Florida? How pathetic was that? I'm sure you've seen it by now. It was all over the social media timeline Saturday night as Florida. And an otherwise very impressive performance over the Missouri Tigers, especially when you consider Florida had been coming off a pause due to COVID, you know, dealing with injuries still on the defensive side of the ball. Florida, 41-17 to winner over Missouri. But right before half, Kyle Trask took a, he took a late hit. There's no arguing that. It was high, too, if you want to go that far with it. But Dan Mullen, like a wrestling manager or something, you know, like Sir Oliver Humperdink back in the great days of championship wrestling from the state of Florida. When I was growing up in the 70s, that was it. Sir Oliver Humperdink was one of these heel managers, you know, that would either assist his heel wrestler to a uh, controversial win in the, in the squared circle. Dan Mullen comes running out on the field, you know, yelling at Missouri players putting himself very much in the middle of everything when there really wasn't that big of an issue. And then of course, you know, he gives the rah, rah crap before going into the locker room at the half tries to incite the crowd even more. You know, I've tried with Dan Mullen. I've semi come to his defense. There are folks out there that have said for years, this dude is a clown, bro. And I've, semi-argued, yeah, but the guy's a pretty good football coach. He's not much of a recruiter, even at a place like Florida. Florida still isn't recruiting at the level it should, given where it is and who it is. But, and that even goes back to the arrogance, I think, of Dan Mullen in that he thinks he is as big as it gets in the program. He doesn't subscribe to the sort of Nick Saban theory that it's players more than plays. Dan really does think it's mostly about his plays. And he's done a, a great job. You know, he pretty much maxed out what Mississippi State can be while he was there. Never beat Alabama, but he did get Mississippi State to number one in the polls in 2014, and that was a really good game here in Tuscaloosa. Um, but the Darth Vader costume after the game at the press conference – uh, Dan makes it hard for me. I can't argue for Dan anymore, I guess is what I'm saying after Saturday night. And then to take the narrative right after the game that, well, you know, I thought both teams did a good job at the half of calming down. Well, why did they have to calm down, Dan? Because of you, because of that clown act that you put on in the middle of the field before halftime. And he comes with this narrative about the players were edgy. No, no, no. It wasn't really the players, Dan. It was really you. And so it's as if Dan realized that, uh-oh, the the folks in Birmingham may have something for me on the heels of all this. After every player got assessed a unsportsmanlike conduct foul because of the events of what happened there right before the half. But... uh you know, it's as if Dan figured out, uh, I, I got to try to shape this thing in a way in which hopefully even more so than my players, I don't get hammered 
for the Georgia game next week, and it was just a crock. It was a it was a Dan Mullen production, is what that was Saturday. And I hear folks, Florida fans, even some of the media that covers Florida. Well, Dan was just standing up for his quarterback by running out into the middle of the field. Oh, come on, that was uh, that was bad, even by Dan Mullen uh, standards. But um, yeah, Dan Mullen, we'll, we'll go ahead and put him as the biggest loser of the weekend. We're gonna head to a break. When we come back, more of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. So, uh, November, your playlist theme of the day. Did you think November rain wasn't going to make the cut? I mean, come on. Iconic anthem right here. Axel and the boys. Boys ran pretty hard back then, didn't they? Kind of shows on them these days a little bit. Slash still looks pretty good. We're talking about GNR. Some tough miles put on Axel, though, it looked like. Southern Fried Sports on a Monday. Travis Ryder, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com. There you go, old Axel. Unmistakable, though. You know it's Axel Rose when you hear it, don't you? 205-342-9904 is the Peter Brook Chocolatier Studio. And if you'd like to jump on board with us, it is, in fact, November. November the 2nd. No rain, though. Looking good for the rest of the week, man. Going to continue to warm up. Not too much. I guess it's going to be, what, in the mid-70s by the weekend? Looks like we're going to be rain-free. Still having to pay attention to those tropics, though, to that Gulf of Mexico. Are we just going to have hurricanes year-round now? You know, we can't have daylight savings time year round. And we got to set the clocks back. It's got to be dark at, you know, 2.30 in the afternoon now for about five or six months. But we can't have hurricanes year round, apparently. Still having to pay attention to that stuff down there. Hey, winners and losers today. And we gave you Dan Mullen as the biggest loser of the weekend uh, to finish the previous segment. But let's get positive. You know, let's get back on the positive side of things. Okay, so look, Tua Tonga-Vailoa didn't exactly Dan Marino it up yesterday in his starting debut against the L.A. Rams. 12 of 22, 93 yards, a touchdown pass, the first of his NFL career. He did have the lost fumble, man. That Ram defense brought him into the fold very quickly, didn't they? Aaron Donald with the strip. And uh, the Rams recover. I'll say this though, maybe Tua, maybe Tua sparked the defense and the special teams for the Dolphins. Dolphins had a passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown, a special teams touchdown, and a defensive touchdown. That's some Bama 2017-2016 stuff, isn't it? Talk about scoring that many different ways. But uh, Tua statistically not a day to remember, but he does go to one and zero. It's an NFL starter. The Dolphins now four and three, man. Still right in the mix there in the AFC East. And it wasn't. It wasn't going to be easy. We knew that. Again, even coming off the bye week, that Rams defense, which the Dolphins caught a little bit of a break in that Jalen Ramsey illness, not able to go at the cornerback spot. So that was a break, but that pass rush, man, and that Dolphins offensive line still trying to get it figured out. A couple of uh, rookie starters on the right side. Going to be good. 
going to be really good. And so you're going to grow with Tua here. Although some folks will convince you or try to convince you that this is essentially an audition for Tua to see if perhaps one of those first round picks that the Dolphins have, thanks to the Houston Texans, you know, might put them in a position if they feel so inclined to go the quarterback route, Kyler Murray style, for a second straight year there at the top half of the first round. We'll see. You know, I'll say this to the Dolphins. If if you want to trade Tua, I know a team about five hours north that would love to have him. And that's our Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars, by the way, Jaguar fan base were winners over the weekend because the Jags had a bye week. The, they were saved. We were spared one of those performances again this weekend. But Tua gets it done. First quarterback to win his first career start with fewer than 100 passing yards since Donovan McNabb back in 1999. Things worked out all right for Donovan McNabb. Lost a Super Bowl right there in my hometown of Jacksonville to the New England Patriots. But, uh, you know, Tua's going to be fine. Tough situation yesterday. Not only the Rams defense. I mean, you got Dan Marino in the building sitting up there in a box like a Roman emperor. You know, they kept showing Dan Marino on the broadcast. I thought he was going to go like uh, Joaquin Phoenix in Gladiator or something. You know, they were going to show him up there and he was either going to give the thumbs up or the thumbs down the Tua at like the end of the third quarter, the way Dan was sitting up there. But uh, it was a lot to digest. Again, even for a rookie quarterback coming off a bye week. 205-342-9904, the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. What about Talia? Speaking of Tonga Vialoas, I thought Maryland, Minnesota. Maryland, Minnesota on Friday night was probably the game of the weekend in college football. That was a fun football game. And Talia brings the Terps back from 17 down. What was the stat? I think it was Maryland was 0-71 in games in which it trailed by 17 or more either in the second half or going into the fourth quarter. 1-71 now with that stat. Nice bounce back for Talia and Maryland in general after that horrific performance in its opener, in their opener at Northwestern the previous week. Talia doing it both with his arms and his legs, and uh, nice victory for Locks, Talia, and the Terps on Friday night. Uh, we got to get back to a loser situation with a head coach. We'll do that coming up next on the program. Uh, we're going to stick with the Big Ten for that one. You probably know where we're headed. More of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. A sunny but cool afternoon, the high at 59. Cold again tonight, clear with the low at 34. Then a warming trend tomorrow and Wednesday. Lots of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow 65. Wednesday's high back in the low 70s at 72. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. This is a security announcement. All persons are reminded not to leave their baggage unattended. All unattended baggage. I want to dedicate this song, Gone Till November, to all you ladies out there crying all alone in your room. And all you fellas going down south, not making it back. May the Lord bless your soul. I love you, girl. Every time I make a run, girl, you turn around and cry. I ask myself why, oh, why? Back with more of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The University of Alabama football coaching staff has announced 18 players of the week following the Crimson Tide's 41 to nothing shutout. First of Mike Leach's head coaching career. Uh, on Saturday night at Bryant-Denny Stadium, 14 defensive players pick up Defensive Player of the Week honors. 
had a couple of offensive performers as well. Evan Neal, Devontae Smith, uh, special teams, Will Riker, Jason McClellan, honored in that phase of the game. Uh, also, here in the last few moments, the SEC has announced penalties for the Missouri-Florida fight. Now, we've already gone ahead on the program and given Dan Mullen, Florida head coach, biggest loser of the sports weekend honors. Well, the SEC just announced that Missouri, for its game uh, against Georgia, I guess next up for Missouri, first half game suspensions for linebacker Chad Bailey, offensive lineman Dylan Spencer, and defensive lineman Markel Utsi. Uh For the Florida side of things, just one individual punished by the SEC office. That's Dan Mullen who got off light, in my opinion, just a $25,000 fine. Meanwhile, guys for Missouri who were actually provoked by Dan Mullen are going to have to miss a half against Georgia. Dan Mullen doesn't miss anything against Georgia this week, apparently. Just a $25,000 fine. So Dan Mullen essentially gets what Lane Kiffin got for a retweet even though Dan Mullen very much inserted himself into the situation, which only became more flammable because of his presence. Make me understand it. Make it make sense. Yeah. Dan Mullen feeling pretty good right now. Chump change for Dan. And uh, so he'll be available for the open of that Florida-Georgia game on Saturday. Huh? Pretty amazing, isn't it? Uh, speaking of coaches and losses from over the weekend, uh, we got to go with Jim Harbaugh again, don't we? Michigan. After Michigan State loses at home to Rutgers the previous Saturday, Mel Tucker, in his second game as Sparty head coach, goes to the vaunted big house. We're going to have to stop calling it the big house at this point too, aren't we? I mean, when you're 1-6 at home, against Michigan State and Ohio State with Jim Harbaugh as head coach, I don't think there's anything big about it anymore. And if you're a Michigan fan, you having fun yet with the prodigal son? One and six at home, just at home, against Michigan State and Ohio State, and you're paying him 7.5 per year. Having fun yet? Um, other things we wanted to get to as we wrap up the program, you know, Friday we previewed the impending commitment of a five-star safety from the state of Louisiana for the 2021 cycle. Sage Ryan, Sage Ryan looked like it was Alabama or LSU down the stretch. And there actually was a strong sentiment, even coming from the LSU side of things, including folks who cover LSU recruiting on a daily basis, minute to minute basis, that Sage Ryan, despite his strong ties to LSU, he's a cousin of LSU assistant coach and legendary running back in the program, Kevin Falk. Also, Trev Falk, the former LSU uh, linebacker, is the uncle of Sage Ryan, that Ryan would leave the state, eschew the opportunity to follow in the uh, footprints, footsteps of uh, his relatives and 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 go to Alabama. Didn't turn out that way. Sage Ryan on Saturday, about midday, uh, committed to LSU. Uh, the bigger surprise actually still would have been, even with the buzz and uh, the, the, the perceived momentum that was growing in Alabama's favor, the bigger surprise still would have been Sage Ryan going to Alabama. And I know, look, anything's possible with Nick Saban on the recruiting trail. And we've seen him go into Louisiana and, and, and haul some big fish out of there. Uh, but ultimately, Sage Ryan decides to stick with the home state school, and he will go to LSU, which might be able to use him in two Saturdays against Alabama. Sage Ryan, they, I think LSU secondary could use him like today, this afternoon watching that group here in 2020. Uh, some other stuff as we wind up on a Monday morning here on the program. We told you earlier, uh, Rusty with a two-and-two two week 
two and two weekend. He had Auburn as his stone cold board up your bookie lock. Yeah, Rusty. Two and two, 500. You cost us some juice, or those who played your picks. Of course, these are Rusty's picks. These are not the show's picks. These are Rusty's picks. Um, Rusty also, uh, he gave you that Georgia Tech plus 20 against Notre Dame. And look, Notre Dame now coming up this weekend. We're going to go through it all week. Hey, this is the moment for Notre Dame. No Trevor Lawrence. DJ Ugalele. The freshman going to have to go up to South Bend and get it done. You know what this game kind of reminds me of already? Remember when Georgia in 2017 went up to South Bend with Jake Fromm in there? Yeah. And still got the job done with Jake Fromm as a true freshman? That's kind of the way I look at this Clemson-Notre Dame game early on in the week anyway. I don't think it's going to still be much of a problem for Clemson. Had a close call, though with BC over the weekend, but uh, we'll continue to get you ready for a bye weekend for the Alabama Crimson Tide. That means you're going to be able, if you're an Alabama fan, to just kind of kick back and take it all in. And uh, some some very impactful games. I, I mean, look, we're pretty much talking about, right, the SEC Eastern Division Championship game down in Jacksonville. Just going to be weird down there, man. Having grown up around that game down there, and just the buildup throughout the week. RV City down there by the stadium on the banks of the St. John's going to be empty this week. You're going to have a socially distanced crowd on Saturday at the game. Yeah, going to be different, totally. That's going to do it for a Monday edition of the program. The lunch whistle on this Monday, Southern Ale House, the perfect cure for your case of the Mondays. Get by there for lunch, maybe dinner, happy hour as well. They'll take great care of you there. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard, north in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. So many great options. I might be headed up there momentarily to pick up that wedge, that chopped wedge salad with some grilled chicken. Get off to a healthy start to another week. Thanks to Jacob Harrison for producing the show. And until 11 a.m. on Tuesday, have a great rest of your Monday, everybody. The sky. I'll take you out to dinner to your favorite spot. Thank you.